Sonic Talk number 289, live today on Wednesday, the 31st of October, otherwise known as All Hallows' Eve. I'll do a quick flash there. There's Mark there in his pumpkin mask. In fact, I'm going to be going back home to carve, finish carving the pumpkin and put the and put the uh, the candle in it so that when uh, Nelly comes back from her, uh, m- her legalised mugging of old ladies for sweets, then uh, she'll, she'll have a candle in the pumpkin to, for her. Uh, I want to say, uh, first of all, before we go anywhere else, I just want to say... Um, I don't think we have Rich Hilton with us here. Obviously, Rich is on the eastern seaboard of the US. I know there's been a lot of weather over there. Unfortunately, not as extreme as um, they were sort of put, painting out to be in the media. At least that's what I understand. So, I mean, not so many fatalities and all that sort of thing, which is, uh, I suppose, a, a relief. I think Rich has no power. I think a tree came down in his front garden and took him out. Um, but I think he's all all right. So, and, and I, I'm best wishes to anybody who has friends or family or is there themselves. And I hope everything's going all right right for you guys too um but back to back to more technical uh, aspects and um we will uh, say hello to our um well say hello to everybody in the chat room first actually chat room uh there we go sonicstate.com forward slash live uh 4 p.m uh wednesdays uh, where you can see the live stream and obviously participate there and um i also want to say rob uh from failed musos in the in the chat room he's the one who organized the uh, Heaven 17 interview I did last night. Uh, they played in Bristol yesterday at the O2 Academy, and I went over and uh, did a quick uh, stage tour and a sort of impromptu interview with Martin Ware. Very awesome guy, brilliant. And uh, it was good. They they did a really good job of uh, representing a lot of that stuff in a kind of really authentic way. Um, and, you know, good job. And um, I think they've got three or four more dates on that tour. But if you get a chance, go and check it out because it's, it's not that there are, I think there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven people in the band. So it's not literally, it's not like a laptop and, uh, and a keyboard and a bit of vocals. It's actually, you know, proper band thing. And that, the bass player was wicked, actually. Um, so jolly good all round. Um, so anyway, let's go to our guests. Uh, I think we'll start with you, Dave. Dave Spears, who's there in his ever-decreasing um, <laughs> room. This the, 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 the G-Force Towers has now become a sort of empty cell, um, which you'll hear, no doubt. Obviously, G-Force software make fine software instruments, and that probably, uh, have you decided to sell all your hardware then? That's it then? Yeah, yeah, we're going, everything's soft now. I, I don't know what's happened. First of all, we've kind of reinvented the laws of physics. I mean, we do that on a daily basis anyway with code, but we've got a room to store all the stuff from here in, which is about the same size as this room, if not bigger, and it's full. Okay, but that, is that not because it's in its bo- in boxes and stuff? Well, yeah, there is. And you haven't yeah. been able to stack it on the keyboard stand, so you've had to sort of, they take up more space. Yes. All right, found me out. Oh, sorry. And, yeah, everything's been wrapped in kind of 19, 19 inches of bubble wrap as well, so it makes it bigger, right? No, we just threw it in a skip. <laughs> tip it in. We loaded the room with a giant shovel. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting idea. So does this mean you're going to be moving to your new premises uh, very shortly, by the looks of things? Because there's nothing for you here anymore, is there, clearly? No, uh, all that's here for me in this room are my screens and my hard drives and my computer, which is over there, but that's it. Everything else is gone. Uh, yeah, I've taken the kind of bare essentials over to the new place where I will be for six months. 
So you've gone all minimal and you're wearing a black polo net. You're sure you're not about to go and work yeah, for yeah, Apple? Yeah, yeah, Are you working for Apple? Weight loss, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After my slating of Apple last week, I thought, well, if you can't beat them, join them. They phoned you up and said, Dave, so we I'd need a dissenting like voice. Yeah, <laughs> Would you like this to... is amazing. <laughs> no, um, I have to say, and I will do this very quickly, so many people have emailed me, either PM'd me in Facebook and emailed me saying how they felt very similarly that rather than be the scared little mouse I was after opening my big gob last week, I kind of went, wow. In fact, I was reading some out to various people. So, yeah, thank you for all your letters. Well, uh, YouTube, quite a lot of people on YouTube were, uh, were saying very much the same thing, where we now post the uh, video of this very event live. But So, Dave, your opinion is always valid. Uh, even though at the time you seemed a little grumpy, you obviously got the zeitgeist. So I think I think you were right. I was trying to work a few things out. <laughs> anyway, Dave, thank you very much. And of course, we'll go to Gaz Williams over there in uh, sunny Bristol. Gaz, I was expecting to see you uh, arrive from uh, from North Wales. Uh, you were with me at the Heaven Seventeen gig. I very kindly came along as my guest, my plus one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good, actually. Yeah, it yeah. was good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I was going to go to North Wales, uh, change of plan. I got some work on there, so that's Hey, good. excellent. So, uh, well, always glad to have you. At Gaz Goldstars, where you can uh, follow Gaz's twits, tweets, even. Um, website coming soon, but for now you'll just have to make do with 140 characters or less. <laughs> yes, uh, I have got this website. It's so close to being built. In fact, I did it on Wix after Dave's recommendation, uh, and uh, I, has anybody actually put something up on wix you have to pay to get to read to have a redirection to it don't you i think i don't know what wix is oh i did it oh you did it oh, i thought it was okay with it yeah but my obviously my domain's kind of elsewhere i just pointed it at oh, if, oh okay great but nice. yeah it seems to work great cool okay in so... fact i tell you what tara bush's hubby has been advertising it loads math on uh fast book so i'm beginning to think he might have shares in the company so let's hit him up Ah, right, okay, good plan. There you go, okay. you've, got, you've thrown me now. You can't both speak at the same time. It's impossible for me <laughs> to switch that way. I'm coming back anyway. Anyway, guys, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll go to uh, Mr. Well, I don't know if this is Mark Tinley or perhaps uh, the Pumpkin King. <laughs> it could be Jack we've got I this week. I don't think I can sustain this for the whole podcast. It's so hot and uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair enough. You, you've, done, you've done long enough. Are you going to be leaping, so, up, yeah. leaping up to um, Tar and Feather, small children that come to the door at periodic times when the, when the doorbell <laughs> goes, or are you going to... I'm sure it's playing havoc with the sound quality as well. It does sound a little um, boxy. I'm, okay, I'm coming back into the real world. I've done my bit for Halloween. Well done. So far. Oh, hello. I'm hello, yeah, Mark Tinley, like hello, being a um, sound artist, creative thinker, um, pumpkin sculptor, and uh, all-round dad, and um, yeah, I've got to go home and do all of that sort of stuff after this. Uh, welcome, and thanks for joining us too. Thank you. Oh, good. Right, okay, well, that's that. <laughs> right. Um, let's start off. We have stuff to start with, and obviously the first thing that we need to talk about is uh, there's been quite a lot of um, Ableton live love. So this is the uh, the latest promo um, for Live 9, uh, which was announced um, a short while ago, um, which has several new features. I mean, not everybody is um, is as excited as uh, the video might uh, might give you um, the idea they are. We've got a few new clips, clip automation, recording in session view, and you get automation curves. Woohoo! Woohoo! 
And uh, sound browsing made easier and faster with search box and categories, improved studio effects, the glue compressor, which is like an SSL-type buzz compressor. Um, and actually, the most interesting thing, I think, is pitch to MIDI, which is polyphonic. So you can take, you can extract chords and all sorts of stuff from um, audio stems. I'm guessing that, I don't know if that's a ceremony kind of uh, bought-in thing or whatever, but uh, that is quite exciting in terms of, if you're doing a remix and you have absolutely no musical ability, I wish I had had this when I was doing mixes, particularly for stuff that had too many chords in for me to work out. Uh, Max for Live, uh, MIDI Transform Tools, and a load of new sounds included in the suite. So... Who wants to go first then? Gaz, I know you were quite excited by this whole Live 9 thing, so you're raring to go. So what do you, what do you say? Well, I think, obviously, the, it's a, the, almost the launch of 9 has been overshadowed a little bit by the launch, or, or rather the announcement of the push. The push interface, yes. This is the, I, was gonna, I could play that now, actually. Shall I, put that in, shall I play that one now, and then we can comment together on both of them, or do you want to kind of, should we break it up into bits? So I, I, kind of, I kind of think it is the, the togetherness, really, that's the exciting thing, actually. Well, let me just come to Dave first. He's obviously the developer, the, uh, the, 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 the voice of the developer. Do, do you know much about what's being... <laughs> Dave, Ableton Live 9, I mean, presumably, you know... Being on the developer's grapevine, you probably knew roughly what was coming. I mean, is there any reason why it's not more? There's not more to it, or or uh, are we do we expect too much from an from a from an iteration like this? Uh, I'm not sure what I can and can't answer. I'm firmly ensconced in the 8.464 bit beta, so to be honest, I was kind of surprised that nine wasn't 64 bit. So it's kind of passed me by, with the exception of uh, the MIDI side of things, the pitch to MIDI. That's quite an interesting concept, isn't it? Yeah, which I've kind of been wanting for I mean, there is a brilliant one in Logic, but obviously it's monophonic. And I remember like early, you know, maybe mid-90s or something, you know, the digital performer guys were kind of talking, oh, you know, there will be a reliable polyphonic um, pitch to MIDI audio converter, which, of course, I was kind of desperate for at the time. So, yeah, I really, really want to try this out. But Well, I've got some examples here, actually. If I just quickly pop this in, I just, I found this, um, if you go scroll down the page on the What's New in 9, this is, this is capture guitar chords and use them with a synth. This is audio demo I mean I don't know how much tweaking is going on here this one I particularly like beatbox your drum loop ready woohoo I mean you know that sort of stuff I mean that's obviously we don't know what's been going on to make that demo work as well as it can but pretty impressive stuff I mean I like the idea of being able to mumble into something and have it arrange into beautiful sounding <laughs> music for me. Do you think that's really likely, though? I have I, I have witnessed it, certainly monophonically. I've witnessed it with a few uh, pretty well-known producers and stuff who just kind of go, idea, and they will hum something. And, you know, sometimes I've kind of had... Obviously, I've done it in logic, like I say, and sometimes I have to kind of muck around with the timing. And dynamics in particular, that's usually where it kind of falls down. But uh, it's this idea of doing it polyphonically in the same way, you know, with Melodyne DNA, that you can dissect a polyphonic part and change it. 
for me, it's almost as exciting in MIDI because you've got the you've got a gazillion options in MIDI. That's a great idea, isn't it? No, Mark, um, or should I say, I'm not quite sure what you are now. You look a bit like some kind of scary spider type thing. Um, <laughs> pitch to MIDI, interesting? Yeah, always. Definitely. Definitely interesting. And something I've used in Logic for years and years and years. And if they can make it, if they can make it do what that guitar was doing, that's always interesting. I mean, not that I've already got a MIDI guitar anyway, and actually you wouldn't catch me in a million years playing chords like that but um, <laughs> too jazzy but it is interesting that it can do it so if uh, if it could take the keyboard player that i was working with chords and he was playing chords like that and then i could get the midi notes so i could change them to chords get rid of those ninths yeah sorry you have a ninth filter yeah <laughs> well, i don't mind ninths there was something else happening in there i'm sure although the, that's the the area of music that Rich Hilton loves, and I absolutely can't go anywhere near. Right. Like Interesting that. stuff, though. And, and before I come to Gaz, I'm gonna, the, the, I mean, obviously, the big news is this push interface, which is designed by, engineered by Akai and designed by Ableton, I think. So if I press that video, this is the sort of interesting aspect of it. Um, and it does look incredibly beautiful, um, and I'm sort of guessing that uh, um, it's a very well kept secret actually. There's 64 backlit um, pads, butt stroke buttons, different colours, so you can kind of configure it in any way you want. Yes, uh, somebody says it's not a very good song. I would agree. I, the thing that bugged me about it is that bass drum being out of time throughout the whole of that clip. It's drove me a bit nuts, but I, I won't go on about it. But this looks pretty impressive. It's kind of in the machine territory, but with multi, so many more buttons and controls. And it's sort of, it does remind me a little bit of like one of those touchscreen tills that you get at uh, McDonald's, um, which I'm not sure whether that's necessarily so good. But um, here we go. There's the bass drum. Oh, well, I won't go on about it. But, yeah, you can see play with expression, uh, pressure sensitive. And it's got a little, these little uh, touch strips at the side and all sorts of things. I won't play it all because you can look at that at your own uh, leisure. But, Gaz, you were particularly excited by this, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been a long-time user of uh, Ableton Live uh, since 2002. Um, and I've always been quite excited with any of the updates and stuff and um, I was really interested to see which way they were going to go uh, and I think with the dual launch of both the push and nine at the same time uh, I thought it was quite interesting partly I thought that nine initially was a bit underwhelming uh, as you mentioned and you know the pitch to MIDI stuff accepted uh, that not a huge amount of, uh, of great stuff going on there but I think that the, the push is obviously what they've been really kind of putting a lot of their effort into it. Yeah, it almost seems like nine is irrelevant, but push is the big deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you go to the website, you know, the push is very much, you know, pushed at you. Um, Front and centre. Yeah. Now, obviously, we look at the push and we see its heritage is a combination of the APC 40 and Native Instruments Machine. It's, It's very much a hybrid between those two products plus a whole bunch of other things as well. Now, uh, I, I got a machine a few months ago, which I've, I've mentioned before, and I've been enjoying it, but I must admit I've, been, I've kept hitting the same problem that actually trying to integrate it into my workflow, I've been finding it really difficult. I can do it to a certain degree, but 
I find that uh, I, I just keep finding that if I want to um, start to get into kind of the sequencing aspect of it, the, the machine really, you, that's where you kind of hit the limit of the machine. You can sequence to a degree, but you can't sequence in the way that I want to be able to sequence. And I kept thinking, oh, I've been trying to work out a system of making the machine work within Ableton Live and using my Cuneo, uh, I've been trying to sort of get a, like a, uh, and actually using my pad control. So I've got all, got all three controllers set out in front of me. And effectively, what I realized what I've been trying to do is make a push, really. Uh, right. So when I saw the push, I was like, oh, that is actually perfect because I've kind of realized that that is exactly what it is that I've been looking for. Um, consequently, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to put my machine on eBay, I think, as much as really? I like it. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that um, before, uh, you know, we did get a look at the MPC Renaissance, if you're into kind of something that will do a lot and enhance your workflow. And assuming you dig the way that that workflow is, it's worth looking at as well, just to sort of, uh, in the sense of balance. I mean, the thing that I found about this whole, the whole notion of push, I mean, it looks delicious and all of those things, but, you know, I saw there was, there was another presentation where one of the chaps was sort of talking about uh, the modal f diatonic fourths, and you're just thinking, I'm, I'm a keyboard player, right? I don't really care. I, I mean, 64, a grid of 64 buttons means nothing to me at all, and I'm not going no. to learn another way of playing those notes. I mean, it's just not going to happen. No, so, yeah, but but, but uh, I need to rant because that square format doesn't make any sense musically but a grid of 64 buttons in the format of the see-through music axis 64 makes perfect sense because music does work in fourths and fifths and when you start to uh, stick stuff in hexagons and then do that whole weird layout that they've got you come up with some amazing and completely different ways of writing and making music and i can't see how you could do that in squares it doesn't make any sense uh, uh, i i disagree i disagree i disagree really? yeah i i mean i i find it very very interesting and i was uh, i was telling nick about this yesterday and i've been doing it with my cuneo because the cuneo oh we just lost you my, my cuneo I video this you, uh, you're going gaz you're not uh, your your bandwidth is 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 Oh. Try again. Okay, so I've ma I've mapped out on my Cuneo the 64 notes, and I've been playing things. And where I find it quite interesting is I really like um, I really like coming up with patterns. So you kind of come up with, uh, and I've been drawing them on paper rather than writing chords out or writing music in a traditional sense. I draw like a little like star, and then a little box, and then and then it, by following that as a little map. I find it a really interesting way of composing music, and I really like the way that it makes you think in a different way, and that you approach the notes in a different way. Okay, well, I, I mean, I suppose the thing is, is I'm looking at it, and I'm just going, I'd really like to be able to use it to its fullest, but I don't, I, I just, I don't have the time to learn a completely new way of inputting music. So it feels like most right. of what this offers, I'm already, I'm, I'm already, my mind is closed to, which is my own fault, admittedly, but. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, as a keyboard player who's bothered to learn, you know, I'm not, I'm not a trained keyboard player or anything, but it's the way I've learned how to program stuff in. And, you know, that's just the way I work. And having to move against that it means that when I look at it, it's like, oh, no, all of these instinctive things is like, I know that that F sharp is my hi-hat. I look at a bank of pads and I just, I have to double take to make sure I know what I'm doing. I, maybe I'm being a bit too kind of entrenched, but, but I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's going to feel that way. I think it's an interesting point. Uh, aha. Uh, that is I'm cool. Up. Is that yeah. Mark? Uh, hold on, let me get that. That's Mark. Yeah, that's the sort of... Um, what's the name that's of that thing? Hex, that's called Hex Keys. Yeah, there is a controller, isn't there, that uh, that does that in hardware, which I've forgotten what it's called. But it, yeah, that's it, the C3 Music That's Access right. Yes, that's it. But this, but this is so immediately obvious nick i think you would i mean I've well partly but, but yeah but partly mark because it's got the note it's got the notes written on it for a start well, okay even if it didn't though the musical relationships are either going this way or this way or this way or that way right. so you're just thinking like 30 degrees 45 degrees or 90 degrees and if you go wandering off in that direction it literally plays a musical kind of intervals going in one direction or musical intervals going in this direction all make perfect logical sense. Right. And when you hit three keys together, you get different relationships between fourths, fifths, sevenths. Um, yeah, I like the way that it, it was for playing triads. That looked kind of interesting, definitely. But uh, I, I, I suppose I'm just thinking, can I be bothered? I don't know. Dave, you're, you haven't said a word, and I'm suspecting you must have an opinion on this. I mean, it looks, it looks like something lovely that I'd like to have on my desk. Um, like it's, it's like the idea of a Wacom tablet, isn't it? When they can, I just, oh, I want one of those. That'd be great. And then you put it there, and basically it just gets less and less use until finally it's just covered in teacups and, yeah, and exactly. kind of business cards and, you know, just sandwich crumbs and stuff. I mean, isn't, is this in danger of, of you know, start, it starts high and then just kind of... Or, or do you think this has got more, to, more going for it? I think it was interesting. I mean, I see both, both sides on this. I like alternative controllers because they do open up things and they do you either don't think about them and something happens or you have to consider them and again something happens but I understand you know what you're saying in terms of frustration I mean to me I'd have to feel this really I think for me that would be the key you know if it felt good for that price and the fact that it's kind of you know bespoke for live Mm. I think it stands a very good chance of working. It's. I'm just sort of seeing if I can find any information about it. I think uh, it looks like it's uh, push 499 when bought with st- uh, standard or light, and I think six something or other when with sort of sweet uh, or seven something. I, I haven't got the prices there. That's really dumb, isn't it? I should have. I thought. Yeah. I did I see a 499 on its own or something? Let or me three, see. I think it might be down here somewhere. Uh, oh yeah. Here we go. If I come here. I can, uh, yeah, four nine nine on its own. Yeah, uh, seven seven eight coming with live standard and a thousand euros when with uh, live suite, live nine suite. There we go. You know, for four nine nine, if you if you've already got live and you take that out of the box and you plug it in and it works and all of a sudden it opens up new horizons, that's four hundred ninety nine bucks, very well spent in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm willing to be. Uh, pers- pers- persuade i would love to see it in 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 the flesh and pl- obviously play with it i suppose looking at it i'm just sort of thinking oh you know a new it's, it, it's like I, I but i'm very impatient when it comes to stuff like that it's like i'm not really interested in platform computer games either or anything like that because i just cannot be bothered to spend all that time figuring out how to get over the wall and then have to do it again <laughs> when i can't make it you know it's it's the same sort of principle to me i suppose i'm, I'm just probably a bit lazy the acid it, test for me would be to put it in front of 
price, you know, they're on price and just go, right, go on then, because he's a live endorser and obviously endorse the machine thing. Yeah. So that for me would be the real acid test. Okay, how'd you get on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think, I think for me, it's like I've got like a workflow and I know that I could just adapt that workflow to the machine. Uh, sorry, to the, the push. Uh, and I'm frustrated with the machine because it's really not geared for uh, like a live instrument. You know, if I wanted to plug a guitar and, and you can sample into the machine, uh, but you, if I wanted to just use the machine like a live looper, now it's quite appealing, isn't it, to be able to, to sort of sample yourself into every one of those squares and then just sort of have it, you know, have them instantly loop back, you know, like a kind of loop machine. And you can't really do that in machine. You can, but it involves having to go through a bunch of, uh, you'd, you'd have to go into the sample page, and then from the sample page, once you've put a recording in, you've got to come out of the sample page, you've then got to kind of uh, set the, the an envelope, you've got to navigate through till you find the envelope page where you set it to a one shot, you then got to navigate out and, and set it maybe to uh, be um, uh, a gap. I get oh. it. Yeah, not, not, not particularly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just kind of all of those things when you're kind of in the flow. Now, the way I like to work, see, I've got all my guitars and, and I've got all my keyboards and everything is kind of always ready to go. That's the way I like to work. And I like to just grab something and I want to be able to put it in there. And I want to kind of keep this kind of like rolling workflow going on. And like the machine, that's where it kind of... If the machine had like a live looping mode, I'd be really great but because it doesn't that's it's kind of a deal breaker for me so well and once again when we get the npc renaissance video up you should look at that because that's very much geared around just keeping it going and uh andy mack who came down and demoed it was you know did a great job of showing us like okay i get it you know what what is it that uh, that is so good about this and that that's something that i think is worth looking at but again i think it's a specific uh, way of working and the one thing about that is just the way that you can do some amazing things with just with creating very highly processed and individually tweaked drum sounds and and patterns with a lot of processing going on and create some amazing stuff and then in, in, incorporate vsts and all that other nonsense into it as well so impressive uh, i would say a little tip that i've just been doing with the machine though which i've been having incredible fun with and i highly recommend it is to download soundflower if you're using a mac and then use and then route the output of youtube into your machine <laughs> and just and what i've been doing is i've been like like just doing like thinking words random words off the top of my head putting it into youtube and then just sampling the first result and then just doing that into each of the squares uh and it's just best one <laughs> that sounds like one of those kind of um obscure danish film filmmaking schools <laughs> type approach oh uh, honestly it's brilliant it's it because because i was thinking about that when you're looking for samples in the past you know say you wanted a sample of some obscure thing you know and then it was always quite tricky but now being able to sample off youtube just a sample i don't know you know if you're just sampling a sound effect what's the legality of that then ah and is that an does that open up another subject? <laughs> uh, well, it might do. Um, uh, but that's something perhaps we'll come back to after a word from our sponsors, perhaps. But yes, uh, some copyright and that side of things, yes, because I know Mark's got an interesting story. But in the meantime, we'll say thank you very much to the show sponsors. Uh, of course, Yamaha are continued sponsors of the show, um, which I will let. There we go. And um, 
want to say thank you very much to them for, for continuing to sponsor the show. Uh, what they've got uh, to offer you is a whole world of apps. On the iOS platform, they've got 20 applications. At the time of this ad was written, actually, there's even more now. You've got all sorts of performance and playing um, type of things with keyboard and ARP and drum pad. In fact, there's synth ARP and drum pad now. That's a new addition, which has built-in synth engine as well. There's performance and play with faders and XY pad for controlling your... Uh, Yamaha synthesizers, you can control the performance of the Motif XF, Mox, S90X, S70XS, Motif XS, and Rack XS. Uh, you've got voice edit with XY pad and the ability to then mix and match and affect the performances. Multi edit, similar stuff going on. You've got the balance of all the parts, EQ and effects for the individual parts, so you can start to uh, work on the balance of your performances. Performance edit, again, just tons and tons of ways of interfacing with your existing Yamaha keyboards, but there are lots of other apps as well. Uh, one thing that we really looked at that I enjoyed, Setlist Organizer, which is like a kind of um, a MIDI program change control panel, which allows you to send uh, bank and MIDI control uh, and MIDI program changes to up to five devices, uh, five per section with notes and uh, uh, photographs and things for if you're running a set, you can have lyric reminders and what have you. Just a whole world of apps. Go check them out at the App Store or go to uk.yamaha.com for more information about the whole Yamaha thing. Right, thank you very much. Uh, again, we say thank you to Yamaha for the continued support of the show. Yes, uh, you brought up an interesting point there uh, about sampling random things from YouTube. And it's funny you should say YouTube, obviously, because I know that uh, Mark had an interesting story about this week. But yes, I don't know what the legality is. I mean, it really is very much down to uh, whatever YouTube wants, really, because they're blatantly in charge. Are they not, Mark? <laughs> they are. <laughs> I'll tell you my interesting story. Well, I've told you, but I'll tell everybody else. Um, so I went to Glastonbury, and I was at the top of Glastonbury tour uh, with my son sitting in the the thing, you know, what is it called? The, uh, the tour. The top of the tour, is it? On top so. of the tour, there's a building, isn't there? Yeah. So I'm sitting in there, and th- th- these three women came in, and they were all kind of chuckling away to themselves, and they were going like, right, go on, are we going to sing then? And they started sort of singing, and then they said, oh, it's a shame, and I think it was like Dad or something isn't here, um, because he'll never believe we did this. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, because I was sitting opposite them, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll film you and I'll put it on YouTube and then I'll email you the link. And they were like, oh, really? Thank you very much and all that. So I did that. And YouTube have contacted me and basically said, do I have, do I have the rights to the music? And all they were literally doing was going, ah, and e, and doing like a kind of a, a you know, no stroke kind of singing thing and doing some little harmonies and stuff so it's not like it's even a it's not even a tune or anything but because they've identified it as a clip that has music in it they've um they won't let me monetize it and they uh want me to send them proof that i have the music rights to it which is just absolutely ridiculous how would you do that I don't know. I mean, if I go on YouTube and I find one of my records, because I've made lots of records in the past, so there's all sorts of my records all over YouTube, which some DJ's gone, oh, well, I remember this tune, I'll just spin that. And, the, and so there's a picture of the record going yeah, round. Yeah, me too. Everywhere. And, and my tune. And I think, well, maybe I should report that. So if you act, And I did actually think about reporting one, went through the reporting process. It's absolutely impossible. It's impossible to report it. You have so many forms to fill in, and I'm not even sure if I could prove that I have the um, rights to my own musical content, 
let alone three women singing at the top of Glastonbury Tour. But it is bizarre, isn't it? It's it just is. Bizarre. It is really bizarre. Uh, and 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 the thing is, is you know, people rip our videos and put them on YouTube. And there's a, there's a a channel which just basically takes a lot of our stuff from the trade shows, which doesn't go up on YouTube and sticks them up there. And I've written to them and said, look, guys, you know, it's not it's not really cool. It's our stuff. It costs us a lot of money to make. We choose not to put this particular video on YouTube for a reason. Nothing. And I thought, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll go and go through the process and see if I can do anything about it. And I agree. I just thought, oh, you know what? It's just, I can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered. And uh, they make it, uh, but the further you get up the food chain, uh, the easier it gets. I mean, like now we've got a uh, partner status. So we've sort of said, don't worry, we own all our stuff. And so we don't, I mean, because there's music in loads of our reviews. Is the key... They don't it's, check it, and they don't check it because I guess we're partners now. But they do check the they do check the uh, the podcast because if there's something up here that's that they recognise that that their content recognition system will do, it will just trigger a, a claim. Sorry, Dave, carry there's on. No, no, no it was just... that, I was just going to say there's no way their content recognition system has recognised anything in the clip that I've put up, though. I mean, it's not really. I mean, it's musical in the fact that somebody's actually holding a note, but that's about it. Hmm. It does seem a bit weird. Yeah, I, d- I don't really understand. I mean, I wonder, th- I wonder whether the key here is uh, monetizing it because we don't do any of that stuff, and I've never had any communication, and I've included audio that I've got permission from the publisher to use in various videos. Yeah, so it'd be I, interesting. I think monetizing is the key. I monetized this one though. I'm pretty sure I didn't monetize it because I just did it for them as a favor, and I felt that it would sort of inappropriate to monetize. But it may be that your default setting is to be monetized because that that's something that's that that, uh, yeah, may, yeah. that may be the case, and you've got to physically not do it. I bet that's it. Yeah, it could be because then you know they've got to make sure that their advertisers who are paying them are not going to sue them for. Uh, getting attached to a video that's gone viral that has questionable copyright, I suppose. It's a good point. It's still overly... Like, it's just... I don't know. It does, Yeah, I mean, that whole thing is a, is a bit bizarre. It is a bit bizarre, but I think the monetization is quite possibly the key uh, to it, from what I can get. I've gather. been accused in the chat room of looking like Stan Ro- Laurel, <laughs> and they're <laughs> suggesting that maybe you take on the role of Oliver Hardy. I, if I had a bowler hat, I'd put it on. I'm not sure if any of this is flattering. A bowler hat and a tie, I would, and a moustache. <laughs> it's gone a bit that way, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit. <laughs> Oh, but it's interesting stuff. Uh, anyway, the push thing, um, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, it's another one of those kind of controllers that everybody's going to want a piece of. And the fact that it's got 64 knobs on it, uh, 64 buttons on it rather, is very interesting in its own right. I mean, there's a lot of control. It's all pressure sensitive. Looks very sexy, actually. But it is, um, I think it's going to be quite uh, quite a challenge to, to master it. Sorry. Yeah. Gaz? Oh, sorry. It's just. The black just wondered just how bright the um, you know it, I, I think they look like they're backlit as well in some way don't they? they? Are, I don't I don't really know yeah I mean I, I, since um, there, there was a change at the uh, in the press department at Ableton and we don't no longer have a contact with them and I would love for someone to get in touch if there's going to be anybody going out on the road and demonstrating this thing I'd like them to come and see us so that we can film something as well because I mean I really like to ask a lot of those questions and see yeah. what it can do because I mean it does look. Um, like a lovely piece of hardware, whether or not it fits, you know, my immediate uh, requirements myself. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's new to Nine, but something I noticed in the video that you sent out is that uh, the whole thing about recording controllers, 
And yeah. I like the way that you could create a song and you could record your controllers in your song. Then when you finished creating your song, you can deconstruct your song back into patterns so that you can perform it live. And that just seems like a brilliant idea. Because once you've made something linear from yeah. start to end and turned it into a song, you're kind of stuck in that, aren't you? But yeah. if you can like just kind of press a button and it just pulls it back out into chunks and then you can skip around between that. I think yeah, that's brilliant. You, you've been Absolutely able to do that brilliant. for a while in Ableton. You just make, Have a, you? Yeah, make a time selection and you hold down, click on it, hold down tab, and then it'll take just the, the parts that are selected and you can drop that then into, a, into the, the session view, which, you know, which is, it is a really, really cool thing to do. Well, um, uh, now it takes the, 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 the difference is it takes any automation prior to that any automation, if you were dragging it from the arrangement view into the session view, it would just ignore the automation too. But now it takes it, it with you. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, but the finer points of this will obviously come out in the wash as it becomes available and people kind of start to see it. I mean, there is another very interesting project which I want to uh, also show, which is the Stephen Slate uh, Raven. Uh, oh, what's it called? Raven MTX, I think it is. If I play this, you'll be able to see a little bit of uh, this action. This is a very interesting new uh, machine from... Uh, Stephen Slate produces these kind of large um, the production decade, the technological consoles. Transform audio uh, and there's Stephen Slate himself um, shouting really rather loudly domain. at the camera for some reason. I'm not Powerful quite sure. But what he's be built here is a 47-inch touchscreen. If I just kind of try and... Featuring the Raven software which includes a powerful multi-touch mixer that can control all major DAWs and a flexible, user-customizable multi-function toolbar. The Raven also incorporates a full-featured analog monitor section designed for today's audio engineer with multiple speaker outs, multiple input sources, smartphone connectivity, USB ports, multiple headphone sends and cue options, and much more. But at the heart of the Raven MTX is the most important thing of all, your DAW, right at your fingertips. Wow, it's, it's uh, on the surface of it, it looks like possibly a really bonkers idea. But actually, when, when you see um, the way that it's working in terms of when you bring some of the, um, uh, the plug-in windows across because it's sort of magnified at 47 inch touchscreen they, they become almost the same size as the physical things and that the, the ability to then sort of control them it, it really sort of almost the same size as a physical desk it's a really interesting idea i have no idea how much it's going to be but i suspect it will be a lot i mean uh he's uh, stephen slate in the pro tooler blog uh commented on on a on a on a thread there was saying that you know obviously you know if you think the in my opinion uh it's progress the old pro way 24 track tape machine large format analog console outboard eqs and processors expense from half a mi half a million to a million dollars or more the new way pro tools hd system with 16 io and a raven console under 50 grand so presumably the 50 grand is uh, incorporates a healthy chunk uh, that the Raven will incorporate a healthy chunk of that, but it's a very, it's a very bold um, statement, and and I I wonder how um, how effective it's going to be. I mean, it's a very interesting idea, Gaz. Uh, what do you think? Um, it depends how responsive the touchscreen is in the video when he was touching on the things. It looked a little bit laggy, and I think that if there was any lag, well, I guess it's going to be a degree of lag, but the success of it would for me would be how 
responsive it was you know if it was really responsive and if you could kind of you know if the screen was zooming in and out and when you were touching it it was really responsive i think it would be amazing i mean i really think it would be absolutely amazing if if it's laggy at all and i mean this is the problem i had with aurea on the ipad or certainly on my ipad too that when um you know when uh if that's not if there's a little bit of lag it makes that sort of working yeah. process really frustrating. It makes it actually, for me, it's like a kind of feel thing. I love Ableton Live because it's so slick and so fast and there's no lag at all when I'm working on there. As soon as there's some sort of lag and it's just, uh, I'm just overshooting a little bit and then I'm undershooting and it's just because of the lag, I know you get used to it to a certain degree. Uh, that, if, it, if it's nice and if it's really responsive, then I think it's a winner. If it's not, I think it's a loser. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine that the heat of going to all that trouble and make it impossible to use. I mean, it does look... Uh, what, well, one, one thing that... Uh, uh, what does it said in the chat room? Um, uh, it was... Imagine how long that... Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's got a whole... Uh, oh, gosh. Echo Sonic says in the chat room, uh, what about um, cleaning the fingerprints off it is going to be a bit... Of, just keeping it clean is going to be a bit of a nightmare. But uh, there were some other comments in, uh, in various other threads, which was, you know, imagine working that way, holding your arms out for that long, three or four hours, is going to really build up your, your, your bicep, your quads. It's not the same thing physically. But I'm guessing he spent a lot of time, and the thing about Stephen Slate's project, uh, products is they are very much geared around uh, a sort of production workflow. And he, I think he's just sort of fixated on, on making workflow work better. So I, I, I'm sure a lot of these questions he's probably already answered himself. I don't know, Mark, what do you think? Just jump in though for just to yeah, just, sorry. all I was going to say, just to, on that kind of fingerprints thing, and to do with workflow because of the size of it, I reckon if they put a little tray along the bottom, you could make it like a big urinal as well, and then you'd kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you could just chuck drinks over it every half an hour to sort of uh, wipe off the fingerprints. I don't know. Uh, um, uh, yes, it, it does look. There's something. I mean, it's of the, the the design and the way that it's been put together does look really good, and looks like uh, if I go to here, you can see pretty much uh, what it looks. I mean, well, you can't quite see what it looks like, but you can see that there's. Um, uh, uh, doesn't seem like I can move that. That's a bit annoying. It's in the wrong place. I wonder if I can just do that. You can see that there's. Uh, oops, no, it's all gone wrong. There we go. There's a desktop underneath. It looks like there's obviously a Mac in there somewhere. What, what sort of Mac? I don't know. Whether it's just a, a, a screen attached to the door that your Mac's running, whether this is another layer, because it's obviously got an interpretation layer, because you've got all this low stuff, that this configurable control panel below that gives you all these sort of buttons and what have you, like a master section, and macros that you can do and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I think it looks really fascinating, and I agree. It would be interesting to see how it works. I mean, Dave Spears... You know, when back in the day before things like Wacom tablets and touchscreens came along, we were almost willing this stuff to happen, weren't we? And now it's actually here. Do we do we actually really want it? I don't know. I think Gaz summed it up really with the... It, it really all comes down to how speedy this is because almost every time I've tried to use anything like this, if there's any lag, it's true. You just kind of get completely disinterested, and that's you know right from tiny little keyboard. What was the first keyboards? Uh, I think they were Yamaha, weren't they? They had the kind of touch sensitive screens, pressure sensitive screens, and stuff. That, but I was confused by this. I have to say because it, I could quite clearly see Pro Tools behind it, 
when he pulled up the waveforms, I could see the channel strips, and then you could see various folders. So there obviously is something in there, and this is some kind of front end that interfaces with. Yeah, it's a layer. It's an interpretation door. layer for the for the touchscreen. Definitely. I mean, it, it interfaces directly with your door. I mean, that is the point. It just uh, it uh, it features Raven Mixer, which is a powerful multi-touch mixer that can control all major doors. Uh, with a flexible and user-customized multifunction toolbar. So it's a, a la- an additional layer, basically, uh, that interfaces yeah, with a multi-touch okay. screen, right? Okay, so, yes, it's not, it's not a standalone piece of software for a door. It's, it, it sits as an interpretation layer, presumably, w- w- but, with, but geared around uh, a touchscreen of that size. Basically. It's quite interesting, I, isn't it? Because it gives a whole new meaning to the... When you're on the road, there are people who are referred to as white glovers who never actually lift anything at all, never give anyone a hand and just kind of come round and do that. I think this would give a whole new meaning to that term because it would get filthy. My nipper, every time she uses even the bloody telly remote control, it just ends up like sticky and full of like sweet stuff. <laughs> same with the same with the iPad, same with the laptop trackpad, it's stuff like this. Can you imagine a load of disgusting old sound engineers? <laughs> it could be a Their secretions. I can think yeah. of all sorts of powders that wouldn't disappear down the gap between the fader though. <laughs> and wouldn't it be fantastic for certain that's Certain that's studio-based the, activities, you mean? That's the bit where he says a revolutionary product. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if it works sort of a bit like the iPad, which we're all getting more and more familiar with, and it can bring that iPad-style touchscreen technology into the computing kind of digital audio workstation world and marry those two technologies together and give us access to doing things in both kind of ways, it could be a winner, but... Gaz is absolutely right. It's it's totally going to be down to lag. If it if it's laggy, it's just going to be. Well, they, he does actually talk a lot about using latest technology and like really kind of trying to nail that as best as possible. And and so you know, give them benefit of the doubt for now. I mean, it's just been the AES in uh, San Francisco. Presumably, there will be reports coming back of people who've actually had their hands on it and will know a bit more about it. Unfortunately, we couldn't go because it's just so ridiculously expensive to go to uh, San Francisco this time of year. But uh, I mean, the other thing, obviously, you're looking at a screen that size. And it is your desktop. You'd be in the middle of a mix and you could just quickly, you know, if you've got someone there, you could actually just pop your Facebook page up there or do a massive video. So get the A&R person, like, you know, their head that, that size in front of you so you can have a video conference with them. And some, all sorts of other possibilities to use the screen for within a studio environment. So it's quite And it needs a joystick, definitely. A joystick. Yeah, for like Pac-Man or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks uh, like it's got some kind of a ball on the front of it, so you can uh, probably... There's a trackball, yeah, that's a yeah. Tra- there's a trackball there. But it also incorporates a lot of monitoring, and, you know, he's very big on um, bringing uh, USB into the computer, playback and monitoring paths. It's got four different speaker outputs, headphone mixes for up to eight things. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll do Angry Birds as well. It'll do everything. But that's what's quite interesting. I mean, I'm sure... I'm pretty sure a 47-inch touchscreen without all of that stuff around it is going to set you back a fairly tidy amount of cash because especially multi-touch is going to be extremely costly. So I'm guessing it's not going to be under, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten grand. I mean, I, that is complete conjecture, though. I mean, I couldn't possibly... Uh, at, least, at least, I would think. You would think at least. But, I mean, the, the yeah. software side of it, presumably, once that's done, then once the, if the technology then catches up and you can work like that very well, then it's... 
um, that's going to work. And the other thing that's quite interesting about this is, you know, as we've said with the touch, the touch screen in the past, when you're using that touch paradigm and say something on the iPad, say Aura, where they've really gone for the sort of door, but on a smaller screen that's actually fiddlier to use because of the screen real estate. With something like this, there's so much screen real estate and so much resolution that you could actually, yeah. you know, you can use that paradigm because there's so much of it, perhaps. So that's quite a bold, that's what's bold about it, I suppose. Yeah, I like I it. Mean, even a US. Even Go. our USB controllers are laggy, aren't they? So if we can get used to like turning a knob and there being a bit of a delay, I'm, if you can grab hold of lots of different things all at once and do things. I think so. you do multiple faders. I mean, the thing that was quite interesting is uh, you can set macros, you can set... Uh, and there's a little... I don't know if you can see here in the... Uh, oh, no, that's not that one at all. It's this one. Um, there are these, those four yellow knobs, buttons in the centre of the screen, and then a little um, sort of oblong area which is also like a virtual trackpad so you can use that to mouse around in the main so you know so they, they've obviously thought about um about some about it to quite a to quite a degree so i mean i really would like to try one out i guess i'm gonna have to wait till nam before i get to see one but uh, uh we'll see i mean the the but it's i suppose the thing is it's the first of its kind i mean because we've seen these bespoke studio controllers before in hardware which are just giant MIDI controllers. I forget the name of. There was a French or German company that made these beautiful things, but they were just, you know. Yeah. Um, really but funny. I mean, if you if you were really clever, you could integrate that touchscreen technology. I mean, like, you could have uh, you could have an iPad built into it, sitting in the background running iOS, and you could have your Mac built into it, sitting in the background running Mac software, and you could have a PC built into it, sitting in the back running your PC software, and the trick would be to design some kind of software interface that controlled everything. So you could just open a window, bring up your iPad, do something in one of your iPad programs, close the window, open up SoundForge on the PC, do something in that, close that, open up something in the Mac, and just kind of work in all of those environments all at the same time. Well, the, the best way, I mean, presumably the best way to do that would be to, rather than have a virtualization, which is going to slow things down unless you've got a supercomputer, is to yeah. have picture-in-picture picture going on on a touchscreen. Yeah, yeah. That would be an interesting yeah. idea. So you Very can have... M that would be an interesting idea. Hmm. So that your experience of using it was that you were using one device, but actually there was lots of clever stuff going on in the background that allowed you access to Mac devices, PC devices, iOS devices, or whatever else you chose to put in there. So it really was just a controller that made the whole experience of using it appear as if it was one device. Hmm. Yes, that, I think that's a pretty good idea. Maybe, maybe that's something that he's sort of working towards. Because I mean, he doesn't hang around. I mean, pretty much every every time there's a major trade show, there's something fairly big from uh, Stephen Slate. So he's he's. Uh, he, I mean, he seems like he's got the sort of uh, one of those lives that we'd all like to have. Whereas we just come up with loads of ideas, and we have a team of devoted people that we can afford to pay uh. just making them so. <laughs> Isn't yeah, that great? Yeah. You know, and then he's he's obviously the front guy and has has got a lot of uh, presentational skills and works. You know, works at sort of uh, some of the higher pop productions. So he's got ins at various lots of places. So you know, lucky bloke is all I could say. Mm -hmm. um, right next, um, why is he shouting? Oh, that was that. Oh, this. Um, What's the time? It's five o'clock. Well, we've got Moog Minotaur version two, which um, I know Rich wanted to get involved in. So maybe we could save that until he's here. Um, perhaps we could have a look at the uh, 
the five megabyte hard disk in 1956. That was, uh, I, in fact, I have got a video which I forgot to put into the system, but maybe what I can do is, uh, uh, oh, no, maybe did I? No, that's not it. That's the wrong one. Let's see if I can get this one going. So if I bring this one up, and I might be able to make that a little bit bigger. It's a bit loud, that. Let me turn that down. This is... Um, Partly what you were talking about, Mark. You sent this in. This is brilliant. So this is, uh, well, just wait and see. An early 1950s IBM <laughs> uh, presentational promotion video for the latest and current in uh, computer processing. Random access method of accounting and control. Another business service of tomorrow made possible today by IBM. Companies have long dreamed of an accounting system capable in a single operation. Of I know I have. What about you, Dave? <laughs> RAMAC is that dream come true. Processing with amazing speed, unrelated data. It's pretty, I won't play the whole thing, but there's uh, basically this image here was the one that you sent, Mark, which was what looks like the back of a Mellotron being loaded into uh, a jet aircraft, and uh, and you said, what is it? And uh, it is, in fact, the, uh, uh, what was it called? It's called the IBM Ramac 305 system. It's a 350 disk storage system, and it was um, five megabyte hard drive right there, which is just, it's just brilliant, isn't it, when you think about it? So it stores five million instructions on random access, and it's just such a beautiful picture of being craned into an aircraft. Uh, without any kind of padding or anything going on, which looks a bit disturbing, really, there. You think that they want to take better care of it. Um, I found out a little bit more about it. Let me see. There were some interesting facts and figures, which uh, were... The, it's, uh, it, was, it was leased for $3,200 $3, a month, the full system with the processing. That's back in 1956, wow. which makes it uh, worth about... Uh, a purchase price of about $160,000 and more than a thousand systems were built uh, production engine in 1961 and it's one of, it, this is basically one of those, que one of those uh, topics where we get to go blimey you don't know how lucky you are have you seen the price of eggs you know all that sort of thing but yeah it's brilliant where did you find that one Mark That's a, just, it just uh, one appealed one of my friends sent it to me it just said what do you think this is and I sat there and I played the game and pondered over it for ages and ages and ages and then it said scroll down and I scrolled down and went <laughs> I thought it was a Leslie God. to begin with, and I was wondering why it was being loaded into an aircraft. And uh, I mean, then... if you think about the photograph on the JPEG's probably like half a megabyte, isn't it? So <laughs> it's just incomprehensible, really. The yeah, so the, that's really quite amusing when you think the picture, the picture that uh, that of that would have taken up, uh, I don't know, five percent of the storage of that entire hard drive. That's pretty bizarre. Concept yeah. to think of. I know, Dave, you're the one with the room full of drives. I, I, I'm suspecting <laughs> that this kind of technology sort of appeals to you. I mean, have you not considered collecting some of this old stuff? Would data coming off this kind of thing not sound better somehow? Well, it'd be more <laughs> retro for starters, wouldn't it? No, I, yeah, I was really fascinated by this. I didn't cheat, I did stare at it for. A good ten minutes thinking, what could it be? What could that circular thing be in the middle? I thought it was some kind of tape playing device, like you say, a Tron of some sort. 
And then when I scrolled down, it was the five whole megabytes that I just thought that actually for 56, that's amazing, isn't it? Really? It's a fairly monstrous. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, there was it's, quite a moment, though, for me, because I, I was kind of obsessed growing up in the 70s by uh, TV programs like UFO and uh, stuff like that, all that kind of where they had those walls of computers with the spinning magnetic tape things that would and I kind of always wanted to convert my parents garage into you know like one of the walls so that it would look like a fake version of something that was in UFO and then I suddenly and as I was lugging stuff out of here I thought that's well, what that you've kind got kind of happened didn't it yeah <laughs> in a sort of not so fake way there's just tons of 70s gear going out of here but yeah, no, brilliant. And in fact, it led me on to look at, and I kept the link up, it's some, the Ramak story, which was searching San Jose, which was a brilliant kind of 11-minute film. Great old footage of San Jose, you know, pre-1970. Stunning. Yeah, Stunning. I mean, it is. It, I and mean, when you consider all of this has happened in, you know, the, you know well, 60, 60 years, it's pretty astonishing, isn't it? Uh, Robux is my favourite person. He said, you are Ed Straker, Dave. Thank you very much, Robux. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know how lucky we are. Sorry? That thing would store 30 seconds of CD quality audio. But it would probably take you half an hour to get it off there. (laughs) But the servos on the head moved really fast, didn't they? They're cool, though, aren't they? The whole thing was cool. I love the woman in the red dress as well. She kind of opens the drawer and it's full of wires. I mean, that's fabulous. Yeah, you've got to check the video out. Um, uh, I I think I I might be able to scroll to another part in it where you can see a little bit more. Yeah, there you go. That's her uh, sitting. um, And (laughs) it's just all the stuff... The stuff going on behind the scenes. It can read cards up to 100 a minute. It's just, yeah, I mean... It's like a sort of Mad Men geek fest, isn't it? It is it's brilliant. A, a piece of its time, absolutely brilliant. Oh, oh hold on. But I there's can't. a brilliant... There's the brilliant. head. Ah, oh, yeah. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see that whipping around, it was amazing. Let's see. Oh, there it goes. Let's play a bit. Of input and output units. In disc no, I can't get any more out of that. That's just one of those things that's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Um, I, there was a couple of other topics that I would really like to get to, but I think as it's Halloween, I've got to get back and start um, carving the pumpkin and doing all the preparation and uh, getting myself made up to scare children as they come to the door, or at least uh, black out the window so that they and, and make sure that everybody's below the level of the windowsill so nobody can see that we're in. I can't decide which way to go yet, either to participate or not participate. We'll see. So I think maybe um, this might be a time to stop, though. There were some other interesting topics that I would love to get to. Uh, um, we'll, we'll have to wait till next week, I think, for that one. But um, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us, my triumvirate of uh, participants from all over the place. Uh, Mark, your hair has gone very non-standalloral now. You've gone back to sort of more, more of a traditional... Um, no, no, I take it all back. No, it hasn't. It's, it's just gone smooth <laughs> down a bit. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, there you are, likebeing.com. That's uh, where you do your thing. And I hope you have a great week. Yep, you're very welcome. Thank you for having, having me. And an enjoyable yeah. Halloween. Um, don't eat too, many, too much chocolate. Oh, no, I'm going to. Oh, all right. Eat Eat as much as you can possibly manage. Fair enough. And, uh, of course, we've got Gaz Williams over there in Bristol, um, like uh, at Gaz Goldstar. There is his little moniker there, um, where he's a bass player, producer, engineer, uh, 
very accomplished tech person, all sorts of things. Presenter. In fact, Gaz, if you want to see, Gaz has just done the uh, Sonus uh, Wahoo Wah pedal review oh. for us, which is now online. I put it online today. And um, so, uh, yes, please do check it out. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, it's great, great, great piece of kit. Anyway, thank you very much, Gaz. I'll speak to you very soon. And finally, we'll go over to Dave Spears in his uh, forlorn empty room. But I'm sure you're going to be going to a plush, your plush new room now. Have you got like um, um, somebody on the door and things like that, like you get in serviced offices? No, get out of here. No, 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 no. I'm not doing offices anymore. Oh, I didn't tell you about that whole saga. I will, but we'll, I'll do that privately. No, I didn't take that office in the end. I've moved somewhere else right in the middle of the country and i've got a basic setup but it's a lovely room and it's a lovely view and i'll have a window and there you go brilliant oh that sounds nice can you walk to work no unfortunately not so my bills will be going up on the old gas front yeah that's that's terrifying pain in the ass yeah i think we've just had our first trick-or-treaters and I heard Louise going, now then, now then, now then. And I think that scared him away. <laughs> don't, don't. Let's not go there. Right, Dave and, and the team, thank you ever so much for joining us. That was Sonic Talk number 289 this Halloween. I feel like I'd probably, uh, uh, I don't think I can, I've got any reverb or anything. I was going to maybe do a scary laugh to go out, but I'm, I don't think I'll bother. I'll just um, say happy Halloween. <laughs> Very good. Gaz can do it for us. Thank you very much. Okay, that was Sonic Talk number 289. Thank you very much, everybody.